The title of my message today is The Church. Everybody say, The Church. The Church. This is a church here at Gates of the City, but we're talking about the church. Gates of the City is a church, and church is defined as a gathering of citizens. How many know if you're born again and you believe the Bible, then you know that you're a citizen of another place, right? Not a citizen of planet Earth only. We're truly and first and foremost citizens of heaven. And, um, and so what church is defined at is a gathering of those citizens to come together for a purpose. Hebrews 10 says, Forsake not the fellowshipping or the connection of yourselves together of those of the same precious faith. You know, church is about, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like a community group. You know, it's important because church is about being strengthened and built. You know, there's a lot, a lot of individual churches that make up the church. A lot of individual churches have different vision, have different understanding, and, that, and it should be that way so that, it, so that churches are inviting to all different types of people. No, not everybody needs to be here or the next place, but, but there needs to be places for everybody to connect and to be planted. But when you, when you think about the purpose of the church, a lot of times people think of it as well, the church should be full of a lot of people that don't believe in God. Well, that's true to an extent, but really the church is about citizens of heaven gathering together to meditate and focus on the Word of God so that we can grow up and be built up and strengthened and really know the heart of God and really understand God. Um, I, I've been... I had no upbringing in the kingdom of God whatsoever in, in the church world or religion or whatever people call it. Um, I had no upbringing whatsoever in it. And I met, I met a number of different people in, my, in, in my, the last two years of high school. And, and, and two months before my graduation, my high school graduation, I got born again. And messed up my whole graduation night and all those kind of things just messed it up you know kind of turned it upside down I had all kinds of other plans but all of a sudden when I got born again I began to have conviction and and then things just didn't settle right didn't mean I didn't do a lot of things but it just meant I had all of a sudden I had conviction and I was making a change and um, so as a result of my upbringing my life has been around a lot of people that don't believe Jesus spent a lot of ta- time around people that didn't believe. There were, two, there were two people, two groups of people that really loved Jesus. Number one, it was kids. Children loved Him. They flocked to Him. And number two, 
it was sinners or non-believers, whatever you want to call it. They flocked to him. Why? Because they felt accepted. They felt like it was okay. See, somebody that doesn't believe in God, that has no conviction, still, the Bible says, on the tablets of every man's heart is written the laws of God. So people know they're not doing right. People know it. I don't care what they... What, you, you can say whatever you want. That guy knows exactly what he's doing. Not really. Not really. Because if you don't know the one that, that was the architect for who you are, if you don't really know him, then you don't really know what you're doing. And, and so I've found myself around a lot of unbelieving people through the years on purpose, and I like it. In fact, some, some of the... Some of my closest friends are people today that aren't even believers. And man, I feel like I can trust them sometimes more than I can trust, quote, Christian people. You understand? So Jesus hung with those kind of people, and he didn't care what anybody else said. But the, th- the difference in Jesus is, a lot of times we can't handle getting connected with people that don't believe because of all the crap in their life. You understand? What Jesus didn't do is he didn't let other people's stuff affect him where he compromised his moral convictions. See, his moral convictions are what affected other people. And that's what we have to be. So today, as I, in, in the next few minutes as I'm sharing this word on the church, I'm going to ask you a question that you'll, I don't want to answer today, but I want you to think about the question so that you can, over time, answer it for yourself. So we're talking about the church. Just for the sake of time, I'm going to just quote different passages throughout the Bible. In the Old Testament, in 2 Kings, there was a story about David and what his purpose and plan was in building the house of God. Solomon, his son, ended up building the house that Jesus, that, that uh, David paid for. He paid for the house. He bought the land. But Solomon built the house. And in the passage of Scripture in 2 Kings, it says that Solomon said, in his quote of David, David said that the Lord's eyes are upon his house and his heart is in it. His eyes are upon the house, his house, and his eyes, are in, his eyes are on it and his heart is in it. As we go to the New Testament, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15 says that the house of God is the church. The house of God is the church, the pillar of truth. God's eyes and his heart are on and in his house, which is the church. Then in Ephesians 1, if you'll put that on the screen for me, Ephesians 1 and verse uh, 22, Ephesians 1 and 22 says, And He put all things, the Father put all things under His feet, Jesus, and gave Him, Jesus, to be head over all things to the church, comma, verse 23, which is His body. Back it up to 22. Gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is the house of God, the church. Now we see that the church, verse 23, the church which is his body. 
The church is his body. The house of God is the church. The church is the body of Jesus Christ. That's the way God looks at it. I could, you know, if you've been around here at all through the years, we can back that up with, with a plethora of different scriptures. But the house is the church, which is his body. Then in 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 29, we're talking about the church which is the body of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 29. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. The house is the church, which is the body of Jesus Christ. But the reason that people don't walk in authority and understanding in the earth is because they don't discern the body of Jesus Christ correctly. The church, which is the body of Jesus, you and I have got to discern it correctly because all that Jesus went through to empower us is what we need to be walking in now. We need to walk in the revelation of it right now. Not someday or even in the sweet by and by or when we get to heaven. Heaven is a real place. Say that. It's a real place. It's a real place. Heaven is a real place. Thank God for them. I was driving back from Louisiana yesterday, and I was listening to this song, trying to stay awake, so I played some music, but I was listening to this song on the Christian radio, and uh, as I was listening to it, I think, wait, 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 I don't believe that. I don't believe what they're singing, so I turned it to Hank Williams. You know, or whatever. I mean, I, I don't want to listen to unbelief. And the song talked about heaven being my home. How many know that heaven's your home? We were created. But here is where I belong right now. Because I'm no good in heaven for God because what God wants in the earth is people to believe in Him, but He needs me to do it. Anybody ever seen... A marquee sign in the heavens where God's got His finger and He's writing messages to mankind. You'll never see it. I mean, unless He wants to do it. But His plan and purpose in the earth was to use me and you. For us to get revelation in us so that the marquee sign that people see is our lives. See, we're like the bread that people can take a bite out of that's sweet and it's good and, it's, and, it, and it nourishes and it builds and it strengthens, gives us new ideas and new thought processes to change the weird and goofy ideas that we've had before. Well, are you calling my ideas good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine too. All of us. We don't think like God. It's goofy. It's the best word I could come up with at the moment without using a real ugly word. If you don't think like God, you're, you're off. Right? If you work for Ford Motor Company and you think only Chevys, you're in the wrong plant. Right? You're in the wrong place. God intended for you and I to think like He thinks. He made us that way. He created us to think as, as He thinks. And so, I'm giving you some information today to think and process through what Jesus 
when he was on the earth, was trying to get over to his disciples. And you and I are the extension of those disciples. It's been, it's been processing down for over 2,000 years. The disciples that, that were the first ones, now we're it. Now we've taken the baton and we have the responsibility to carry this out and finish it. And I'll tell you this. I'm going to read a scripture to you in a minute with that question. And the scripture I'm going to read to you is a really bold statement from Jesus. But Jesus believed it and believed he was called to do it. And that bold statement is what we have to be right in the middle of on a day-to-day basis. If we're not in the middle of what he said in, in the scripture I'm fixing to read, if we're not in the middle of that, then... No matter what else we do in life, it's not going to be pleasing to God. Not that you're not pleasing. He loves you just like you are. But He wants to be pleased with the progress that you're making so that you're in a better position to be all that you need to be to all the people that are in your world. Because I don't live in your world and you don't live in mine. And we all have responsibility to connect. We're talking about connections today. We're talking about the church, which is the key to true connections and how to do it and how to connect with mankind in such a way that we win the world one person at a time. We don't win people by the masses. You win them one person at a time because it's all relational. You have to develop right types of relationship. Can you say amen? So, we got it. Laid the foundation. House is the church, church is his body, and we've got to discern the body correctly to be in the right position to accomplish what God put us here to accomplish. Amen? Now, I, 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 I don't talk a lot about the devil, and I don't focus on the devil, but the Bible's real clear, do not give the devil opportunity. But one thing I know about the devil is this. I know this about him. He is afraid of the church really catching this revelation. Somebody somebody give me an answer to this question that I'm going to throw out here. What are some of the strongest organizations... On the earth today. Strongest organizations on the earth today. Mafia. <laughs> Insurance company. Never mind. Here's where I'm going. Here's where I'm going. Strongest groups, strongest gatherings of people on planet earth are public interest groups. And they get stuff done. Why? Because they're all in agreement for a cause. And most of the causes, (laughs) you, you and I wouldn't even like. But man, they get together, and sometimes 10 or 15 people can push things through in our government that most people don't know anything about. Public interest groups. Strongest groups of people anywhere. Why? Because they're in agreement. We're going to do this thing. 
And the devil is so afraid that you and I and humanity, he is so afraid. One thing he's really afraid of, and that is that people will understand the church and the body of Jesus Christ. Why are people weak and sick and powerless? Because we don't truly discern correctly what the body of Jesus accomplished for us. And then we don't understand that we're it and nothing's going to happen on planet earth unless we submit to his plan and then follow through with it. Nothing. So the devil is afraid. Matthew 16. The devil's afraid of you getting revelation. Matthew 16. And I'm going to start reading in verse 13. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, and he asked him this question, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And then he asked him this, this um, eternal worldwide question that's been asked in a lot of different ways throughout the years since Jesus left the earth. He asked his disciples, but who do you say that I am? And that question is something that each one of us individually have to ask and then answer in our lives. Not an answer off the top of your head. Not a, it's not... I'm, you know, when that was asked, what Jesus was doing was finding out what Peter really believed or what the disciples really believed, and Peter jumped up and gave the answer. He, was fine. he wanted to know what they really believed. They had been hearing him. Some people come here, and you've been hearing and listening to me. Some people go to different places, and they hear what people say. People can say, well, are you guys, one of, are you guys those people that believe this? or believe? Well, yeah, that's what we teach over there. That's what we teach over there. Well, that's what this one said or that one said. Well, so-and-so said that and it worked for him. But the question is, what do you believe? To make the church become the church, you have to be able to answer that question as a result of you really believing it, not you answering it, trying to prove that what you're saying is right. Yeah, I think I believe that. Well, then you really don't believe it. And it's okay but what we have to do is we got to stay in the game long enough for the belief system to get established. And it's that way in anything you do. I don't care. You, you, you have a new career and you go to, and to work for a new company and you're learning the ways of that company. It takes, you, it takes a long time for it to really get in your heart. And a lot of times people stay with a certain company for a certain period of time. They really don't believe in it. I thought it was going to be this, but it wasn't, and they leave. Why? Because their heart wasn't there. But now when your heart is there, it's a done deal. So the question's asked here. He said, <clears throat> who do you say I am? Peter jumps up and he answers and he says, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. In verse 17 and 18, I want to read out of the Amplified. Verse 17, Jesus answered him, blessed, happy, 
fortunate and to be envied are you, Simon Bar-Jonah. Simon, son of Jonah. For flesh and blood, men have not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. Verse 18. And I will tell you, you are who? Peter. Greek means Petros, or a large piece of a rock, is what Peter means. So, he calls him Simon, son of Jonah, and now he's describing him as a, as a rock that God's going to build things on. So, some people think, well, you know, God built the church on Peter. That's not what he said here. This is what he said. He said, and you're Peter, Petros, a large piece of rock, and on this rock, on this rock, on this rock, Greek, Petra, or huge rock like Gibraltar, I will build my church. See, it's Peter Petros, then, it, then the next rock is Petra, meaning huge rock. I will build my church in the gates of Hades. The powers of the infernal region shall not overpower it or be strong to its detriment or hold out against it. So I'll build my church that the gates of hell shall not prevail against. What? On the rock of revelation that Peter has about what he believes. About who Jesus is. You and I have the same responsibility today to have revelation and know what I believe about who Jesus is. And listen, listen, as a result of that, then the gates of hell will not prevail. What does that mean? The devil runs in terror. What he's afraid of is that all of us sitting here today are going to get this revelation. And then he says, when we have the revelation, then what happens? Verse 19 happens. He said, and I will go back to the New King James on that, on that one. I will, I will tell you, uh, no, 19, and yeah, there you go. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth, and the Amplified there says, whatever you declare to be improper will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth, will be loosed in heaven. What's he saying there? I don't have time to go into this, but, but this is what he's saying. My responsibility is to know what Jesus thinks, what God thinks. And then to declare, to bind and to loose, to declare one way or the other what is right or what isn't based on what he says is right or not. And when I get that revelation on the inside of me, then hell... It's as though hell doesn't even exist. There's a time coming, and listen, it's going to be now in our lifetime, or it's going to be in 2,000 years from now, because Jesus said, I am building my church. Not me building my church. He's building His church. We just need to get involved in what He's building. And how do we do that? By answering the question. Who do you really believe Jesus is? And who do, who do you believe you are in that mix?
I'm the one on earth to be binding and loosening what he's already said in heaven is bound and loose. And when I have that, and I'm living that way every day, and I'm connecting with people around me, what happens? Then we pray together, right? We give together, right? We connect together. Uh, somebody's house burns down. We come together and we help together. When this thing happens or that, when someone's standing in faith for something that's attacked their body, listen, one will put a thousand, but what will two do? And then three and then five. And what will a dozen people, what can a dozen people accomplish? There's no end to it. That's why connection is so vital. And it starts with relationships. You can't, you won't pray with people you don't know. Well, how do you pray? I mean, you like one of those that pray in tongues or some kind of funky deal like that. Or I mean, you know, do you do this? Or, you know, you won't pray with people you don't know. But it's amazing when you really know people, it's, it's amazing how you'll open yourself up to learn from each other. Because I have strength, you have strength, we need from each other, Right? And that's the way it is with everybody on planet Earth. Instead of being in competition in our strengths, we let the, the wall of pride down and we open ourselves up to be able to be connected to people that have strengths in different ways and not be intimidated by it. But you can't do that unless you know who you are in Him. Unless you know what you're on planet Earth for. The other day I was sitting, having breakfast with a guy that's very, very close to me. Very wealthy person, but he's very, very close to me. But he, to this point, has not believed. But he and I have been friends for years. And sometimes other things in our life can cloud us, you know, can cloud our vision and focus for believing in certain things. But, but see, see he, li- he really likes me. He really likes me. And I don't know why, but he just really likes me. And, uh, and so we do not a lot together, but we do things together. But he, but he, but in, in, and we've been connected for probably 25 years. And in the last year, he's been talking to me about the Bible. See, up to this point, up to this point, you know, I get around him and he just, he, you know, he, he tested me for a long time. You know, you know, because in Christianity, you know, well, you know, you shouldn't do this and you shouldn't do that and you shouldn't do all these things. And so, so he would do all those things around me just to see what my reaction was. See, and when I didn't react, then it kind of, he caused him to be a little confused. And then time went on and he had some things built up that he thought I was a certain way when over time he realized I wasn't that way. And then there is just one day, maybe 10 years ago, we just released. There's been a connection ever since. And so when I'm around him, when I'm around him, I accept him just like he is. Now, if something's brought up about Christianity, I mean, I am who I am. I, I don't have this Christian ease and try to put him, you know, quote 14 scriptures in his presence or something like, I mean, some kind of deal like trying to bring condemnation or whatever to him. I just, we just are that we are. So we talk and we go back and forth. And then the last year, in the last year, in our connection, He's been asking me about the Bible. And now he wants to read the Bible. Now he wants to read through the Bible. And he wants to understand the Bible. You understand? And, and, and see, the devil is so afraid this guy. 
scared out of his wits that this guy's going to believe. Because in the world that he's been in, he influences, I mean, his influence on that world out there is staggering. And the devil's so afraid. But guess what? Doesn't matter. He's coming in. You don't know him. It doesn't matter. None of you know him. So I, I, and, and we'll erase this from the tape. <laughs> Whatever, because I don't want him to hear that I'm saying this. But it doesn't matter. I'm using it as an example. It doesn't matter. The devil's lost and he's running in terror and I'm not backing off. I've been doing this over 38 years and I believe. I know who I am. I know who Jesus is. And it's settled. And I win. Every time. It may not be today. It may not be. I mean, this has been 25 plus years. It was really longer than that. But especially over the last 25 years where there was focus and having to deal and try to deal with him and him question me and all these kind of things. And then one day it just opened. And now he wants to know about the Bible. And now he's got somebody that can really help him. And now... It's like a snowball on a downhill run. It's picking up speed and nothing's stopping it. That's why we need to connect. See, those kind of people like I'm talking about, those are the people, those are the people that love Jesus. The religious people of the day, the people that had all their mind made up about what they thought God was, those are the people that were angry with Him. Well, we're not called to really have that kind of authority. We're not called to really do and live like that. We're not, you know, that's blasphemy. The religious people today hated him. But the people that really had a passion and a love for him were the people that didn't believe in the kids. And I, I had to become like a child so I could believe. Amen? And you and I have to become like children to believe, and then we have to be open for connection and realize God's building his church one person at a time. And so my story of my friend here, and I got a number of those, but this story with this guy, you have your story with the people around you, and we win the world one person at a time. And we don't force people, we don't make people, we don't try to drag people into church and you know, put them under condemnation, and you need to do this and be here and do all these things. No, you just love people. See, well, what have we been talking about for the last three years here? I'm going back to the basics. Two things. What? Two things. What are they? The basics. Huh? That's it. Great commission, great commandment. Love God. Love God and people. And make disciples. Those are the last two things that were really important that He commanded us to do. And the question we've been asking ourselves around here, how much are we spending time doing that? Loving God and people and making disciples. That's what he called us to do. That's what he called humanity to do. All, all of humanity. Go and make disciples of all people. That's what we're here to do. We're here to do that, to be a blessing, and, and to open up in this day and time connections that cannot be broken and not be destroyed. Right? We're part of the family of God. As you, as you are that part and you're connected that way, then you're part of building 
the house that God intended to be built. Amen? One last passage, and then we'll end. In the Old Testament, the book of Haggai, chapter 1 and verse 4. is about the construction of the house of God. I just like what it says here, and I want to apply it to what we're talking about, about building the church of Jesus Christ. Remember, God's house is His church, which is His body, which we are. Amen? Verse 4, is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins. And we're talking and, and, and in this passage, talking about literally a, a, a building. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much and bring in little. You eat but do not have enough. You drink and you're not filled with drink. You, you're clothe, you clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put in a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain. Bring your wood, build the temple, that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little, and when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts? Because my house that is in ruins is in ruins while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and earth withholds its fruit. And in what we're talking about, in regards to the church of God. All God wants is for you and I to take the challenge <clears throat> of not just living our lives for ourselves. He said, you know, you run to your paneled houses and in that day, the, 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 the prophet here was speaking you know, to the people that the house of God is laid desolate. Well, where is the house of God today? Right here. It's in us. We're the house of God. This is a place where the house of God meets. It's a gathering of citizens of heaven. We come together, right, to receive instruction, to get revelation, stronger revelation of the Word, because what I shared with you today, the Holy Spirit is in you if you're born again. Holy Spirit is in you to reveal to you that this is true. I'm just take it because I said it. I'm telling you what I believe in. I believe in the church. Why? Because that's what God believes in. All of heaven, its focus is on the earth, and its, its focus is on the church. And what is the church? People. God's focus is people. Right? And he said, he said, if you don't discern the body, which is the church, which is the house, correctly, so you take this passage in Haggai, if, if, we, if we don't take care of the house of God, if we don't develop and nurture and minister to the house of God and build the house. See, see, we're in the business here of building this place, bringing people to this place, but doing it through relationship. Why? Because then there's more people that have the opportunity to hear truth that will help change their thinking and establish them as citizens of heaven that are making a difference on the earth. That's our vision. Make disciples. That's what a disciple is. You, we're not here to disciple people so that they think like me. We're here to disciple people so they think like God. Amen. Right? But it takes people believing 
because you know who you are believing in what you have, and they'll follow you for a while based on what you believe. And if you believe in the teachings of this gathering of people, this local church of God, which is part of the church, if you believe in this place, then people will come here because you believe, and then when they come and the Holy Spirit begins to reveal truth to them, then they'll believe because they believe. See, it wasn't enough for them to answer, well, some say you're this, and some say you're that, and some say this, that, or the other. But who do you say I am? So the question I leave you with today is, who do you say that he is, and who are you in him? Those are the compelling questions that have to be answered to be effective people in connect groups, connection groups. Because, yeah, we're developing a relationship. But I told you earlier, Jesus developed a relationship with everybody, right? And most of them were not people that were religious of the day. But their attitude and their ways and their thinking didn't change his convictions and, and what he believed from God. Actually, what he believed influenced them. And God created you and I to be the same exact way. Can you say amen?